Hello, and welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 37, Powers of Creativity. I'm Bennett, and in this episode, Daniel and I talk about a handful of things. We start off talking about small talk. Maybe it's appropriate that the small talk at the beginning of our podcast is about small talk, but we talk about that for a few minutes, and then we launch into the promised superpowers and drawbacks that I mentioned in the last episode, this time at a level 8 power level, the highest we've ever done. It was pretty fun. And then we round off the podcast with a talk about creativity. Pretty interesting topic. And this time we kind of went down a rabbit hole after we asked the question, can things other than humans be creative? So I will leave you to ponder that for the one second until the episode begins. This is the podcast. Third, third, uh, uh, in which third sp- we are the third space people. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I dropped the ball. On All right. That. <laughs> I feel like I was you, thinking, I feel like you dropped the, the bomb on that. You intentionally <laughs> messed this up on that one. You were you were just being a chaotic element in our introduction, well, I which I appreciate. <laughs> This is the podcast in which we are in third space. That's just the natural flow, if you ask me. So that's well, what I was going for. And I assumed you would, you know, think in a similar fashion. Right, great minds. Think in a similar... Okay. How are you? Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> wonderful. Do you think that's a good conversation, Oprah? How Opener, like, how are you? I mean, it can be a good conversation, Opener, if it, like people take it seriously. It's fine. Um, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this. This was I wasn't intending this to be uh, a podcast opener, but I was thinking about small talk yeah. the other day. Uh, and because so in the past, uh, I've I've been I've had a kind of viscerally negative reaction to small talk, and I think it might have been born out of maybe immaturity or something like that, but. I, I always just considered myself the kind of person yeah. who hated small talk and would rather just get Substantive, right into something. Yeah, important. why this but, you know, shallow, polite crap, right. you know? I hear that all the time from, like, right, right. well, my younger self and teenagers that do crave something substantive. Exactly. Right, and I was thinking about it, and I, I don't know, I was just reconsidering that attitude. And I think, you know, maybe small talk isn't that bad. Maybe it actually has a purpose. And I think it does, right? Like it's, it really is a conversational glue for sure, right? Like it, you, even though you're not explicitly communicating anything important, like your dreams and aspirations and your history and childhood trauma, you're not doing any of that, but you are communicating important things like your tone of voice and your body language of yeah like i'm a friendly person are you you're learning that's kind of what small talk does yeah right and you're learning about how the other person listens how they respond are they paying attention to you you're doing the same thing of course and you're both sizing each other up and even if it's a person you're familiar relatively familiar with you know people's moods fluctuate and they may have distractions or whatever and so that small talk is a time to really z- narrow down the focus onto the conversation and i think it it eases you into and presents up opportunities to get into the more substantive stuff and so 
you know, I'm not as down on small talk. Actually, as now I that used you, to be. you say that, you can argue that while you're gauging all these complex things that you're talking about, it's better that the conversation be almost a pattern or a dance you've done a million times before with slight changes because it's a different partner and a different day and a different mood and all of that. Because it's all the things you'd said are difficult to gauge objectively. It's kind of a subjective experience. And so better the conversation be about weather or oh, busy at work or, or whatever. Uh, I guess I would call it lighter topics. Um, so you can be mm-hmm. concentrating on subtext, I guess, or, or all the other elements that you're talking about. And, and then also, if a conversation is a pathway, yeah, think- it's difficult. I mean, imagine you're just standing at the bus stop with a stranger and you kind of say, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're clearly of a lower socioeconomic status. How, what, how's the plight of the oppressed? And like, that's, that's a substantive opener, right? But, yeah, but, that sure is. But like, that's not fair to someone. Like, I think it's fair to talk to strangers, you know, if you read the room right and see if they're not busy or whatever it's fair to open up a conversation and test the waters and clearly that's why you can say oh it's hot isn't it and if they're just like yeah and they, they reject yeah. the conversation politely then no nothing's lost but but it's not fair to right. say something like hey been through a divorce lately or you know it's just not fair <laughs> and in fact if you think about the rare times people do violate that it's the kind of almost the drunk at the bar who like, is talking about their ex-wife and you're like oh god or or someone who just doesn't read the room well, and they mm-hmm. are considered socially, you know, inadequate, and and people don't like that at all. So, yeah, I'm all on small. I'm for mm-hmm. small talk. I'm pro small talk now. Yeah, I'm. I don't. I'm still conflicted. Like, you know, I, I recognize the utility of small talk, but I don't. There's still something attractive to me about going <laughs> balls to the wall. What's your socioeconomic status, you know, like you mentioned, like maybe it's just that that's so novel and unusual that if it were to happen to me, you know, if I was standing, um, you know, at a restaurant in, in, in line to order food or whatever, and someone started uh, a conversation like that with me that I would, I would just be very pleased because it's so unusual. It makes for a good story and I can use it as a <laughs> podcast opener. But wouldn't it usually be about our trials and tribulations? And I don't know that we all want to go around sharing our trials and tribulations. Like, there's a privacy issue, too, if the expectation culturally were to kind of wear that on your sleeve. I, I just don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, you know, there's a I mean, there's certainly a difference between depth, you know, depth of a conversational topic and, you know, the, the privacy True. of a conversational topic. Like, I don't expect the person to you know, start talking about, you know, how traumatic miscarriages can be or something, you know, but they might talk about, like, um, the importance of independence, you know, when... Yeah, no, something more abstracted just in general. and philosophical, but still interesting. Something abstract, yeah. I just wonder how many people are uh, philosophical in that traditional sense. I don't know. Or maybe it, it could be it could be even, like, you know, if you're in a, a restaurant with odd... Uh, decor or something they may comment on that and be like you know i wonder if this decor comes from the danish tradition of <laughs> to, blah, 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 blah. to what know, degree whatever, do aesthetics anything, anything. actually influence us is is your is your meal enhanced by that you know giant cow you know Perfect. that gold i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> right 
Right. How much did the uh, Chick-fil-A cow, you know, walking around outside influence your decision to come into Chick-fil-A today? Like that's, that's not a, or it's not a personal, yeah, yeah. Question. You don't really. have to be vulnerable. It's or not. To it's not even that. right. Right. It's not even that deep, but it's very unusual, right? It's not how's the weather. It's not oh I'm hungry or whatever. Little. It's not small talk. I guess it's like medium talk. Or <laughs> medium something. talk. Okay. Maybe there's a yeah. A, a, you don't have to get deep, and you don't have to be shallow. There is a, a medium talk. Pardon me. Would you like to engage in medium talk? Yeah. <laughs> There we you go. Pr- that would be fun. You promised at the that. end of last podcast for a level eight superpowers and drawbacks, and I've been on the tip of my tongue, the chair of my seat since then. So I am so ready for this deep level eight, the most intense. Well, I don't know if intense is the right word, but the most severe drawback and superpower. Uh, can we just get into it? Like I'm yeah, so ready. That we've had to date. Yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely, <laughs> we can. Um, yeah, I, I teased it last time. These are level eights. It's the highest I have on the list. And I actually, I only have two level eight superpowers and two level eight drawbacks on the list. So I don't even have to. I wonder if this will mean the decision's easier right, for so me or any- my knee jerk might be easier, but I really want to think these through. So let's go for it. All right. So for the, I'll do the first. Uh, first, I'll do the superpowers. So the first one, and, and I guess just a reminder. Um, you know, the way this works is I present you with two superpowers and two drawbacks, and you have to choose one one of each. And you know, there's no getting away with it with only a superpower. You have to, if you want a superpower, you have to take a drawback. And then of course you could just say, Nah, I'm walking away. This is too much for me i'm too weak and cowardly, <laughs> cowardly. <to> take <laughs> take the take 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 the gamble um just being provocative all right anyway uh the first superpower is called teleport okay. potty uh whenever you take a dump in a porta potty you can teleport to any other porta potty that you've pooped in before if an existing porta potty is moved or you purchase uh, and place a porta potty of your own. It'll reset all of your saved, quote unquote, saved teleport uh, locations. So you can't like build this giant network. I, mean, I guess you can, but you'd have to do it. Um, okay. So, with forethought. So this is. So it the if the porta potty is moved, which let's be honest, porta potties do move. Um, it go it resets. Yes. It, it is no. It's not like I'd teleport to that particular like if it's on the back of a truck or in a new location at a different location i don't go there i just i've lost it is what you're telling me yeah that that one just gets removed from your network um yeah uh but if if you uh if you start placing them all around and i have to be taking a dump it's not like i just enter the teleport like teleport a potty (laughs) um yeah so uh you have to you have to poop in it once in order to activate it after that you can just enter it and teleport. Oh, okay so just to, to activate it uh, or to <laughs> i've taken it up in this porta potty in it wherever it is and then and then now i can just teleport right. it until it moves until it gets relocated okay. yes I mean, you 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 have to enter a tele you have to enter a porta yes, potty in order but to i don't have to dump to, uh, to do that um, okay no okay no, i understand right right so you could you could, you know, for example, your first action might be to fiber. Buy. I mean, a the t- <laughs> yeah, I might buy a porta potty. 
<laughs> Sorry. I was like, what? I thought I was thinking the internet, and I was like, no, this doesn't go through the internet like fiber. This is telemagical. No, I need to take a lot of dumps, right? <laughs> right, right. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, all right. We'll we'll discuss it uh, after. So, the second superpower that you can choose from um, is called Rebirth Day. Rebirth Day. Um, so, for this one, you get to relive your birthday immediately after it happens. So, the way this works is on the night of your birthday, uh, if you fall asleep before midnight. Then when you wake up in the morning, it will be your birthday all over again. Uh, and it's as if you went back in time to the previous day. So anything that happened on your first run through the birthday will have been reset. Uh, but you are not. So you still have your memories from the first birthday, any injuries you might have gotten, anything like that. So anything to do with, with you. Also by choice. Like I could take an incredible but, risk and it worked out. And so I decide not to repeat or... I will forever on my birthday have a two day no, two days it, there basically. It will repeat. It will repeat. Yeah, there's no choice. You can't. Well, you could you could just stay awake, um, all night. You stay awake until past midnight on your first birthday, and then it wouldn't. It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't. You wouldn't get the benefit of a rebirth day. Well, the odds of me being that. awake at midnight on so my not, they seem pretty high. I don't know, or could be. Well, then okay. you, I mean, the, well, if you, if you want an extra birthday, then go to sleep before midnight the first time. That could be an intense thing. <laughs> it's like 1030 and I'm like, oh crap, I better fall asleep. I need this to reset. And could. Like, yeah, I know intense. it could, it could be <clears throat> right. Oh man, what did I do <laughs> this birthday? I better fall asleep. Yeah. So that's, that fits in with it. Like you can imagine some of the situations that might yeah. crop up to make it very stressful. So those are pretty powerful superpowers. Yes. Which is why they're level eight. But they're also not like, uh, you can right. fly. They're interesting. And also, I think the names are maybe the, the best part. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the names. All right, so the uh, now the drawbacks. So in order to get one of those two superpowers, you have to pick one of these. <clears throat> the first one is called Intermittent Purgatory. That sounds bad. So with this one, yeah, every five years... You must serve a one-year term in a purgatorial void. The void is a colorless room. Uh, we'll just we'll just say it's white. It's a white room with uh, one infinitely long wall and an infinitely high ceiling. An infinitely long uh, ro- you wall. You cut out there. I'm just describing what it's. Infinitely, infinitely long wall and an infinitely okay. high ceiling. So it's just kind of like one wall. Imagine a white room, but with only one wall that goes on forever. And you can run forever away from the wall, you know, directly perpendicular to the wall. You can run away from it forever, but you can only ever be a mile away from the wall. So if you ran completely away from the wall and then turned around, you know, for days and then turned around. You Wait, what's on the wall? I don't know if it cut out or what. It's, there is a wall there, but oh. Nothing. So nothing. What? It's just blank. It's totally. So why is nothing. there a wall at all? I'm not trying to be funny. I just. <laughs> just. Just because, just because it is, that's the way and purgatory I'm not, is. I'm not eating, void. and I'm not, there's no entertainment. No. There's no. So, right. Oh, well, sorry, sorry. I'm not done. So, <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> um, so, yeah, while, while you're in the purgatorial void, you don't age, grow, or wither. You don't need food, water, or any other earthly necessity. 
Um, and then, in addition to that, there are three items present with you in the void, uh, and they can't be removed. A black Sharpie marker with infinite ink, a tennis ball, and a telephone book from the greater Chicago <laughs> metropolitan area circa 1984. <sighs> and just a last, uh, a last tidbit, uh, any damage or modification to these three items, it'll be repaired on subsequent trips to the <laughs> So there's a lot in this one. I tried to paint a picture of what this... What yeah, you're letting me draw for entertainment are. or write for entertainment. Of all, consider a lot of like or athletic read. or just something to stimulate the brain. And and I suppose reading right. or paper, just, you know, you have a year to figure out some creative things with these items. Uh, but also, wow, right. yes, a year. Exactly. Okay, I'll think about that in a minute. So yeah, I, I got it. Yep. All right, and then the last one, the second, um, the second drawback is called Doom Dreamer. It sounds like a B yeah. movie title. Um, and for this one, each night you dream of the future deaths of all of the people you met during the preceding day. All the dreams are truly predictive, and you have lucidity while dreaming, though you can't influence the outcome of the dreams. And if you try to warn the people about what happened in your dreams, they just they won't believe you. And if you try to intervene then fate will prevent you from altering the outcome. And you said people I meet. Uh, yeah, anyone you meet throughout the... Throughout including the loved ones and friends and all... Meeting being just like interact with. So I would yes. know the fate of my loved ones and friends and anyone I'm... You would... Okay. Yes. It, and so I'm having repeat dreams because I'm know. meeting... I'm seeing them every day, you know? And it's... Did you yes. say it's every night I'm dreaming this? Yes, every night. Oh, man. That's awful. <laughs> well, like, both of your drawbacks are psychologically taxing, but one is, I mean, purgatory or in, intermittent purgatory. They're very differently psychological. Yes, and one, you get a, a real respite from the psychological torture, but during the torture, it's... Uh, I mean, a year is no joke to consider. I mean, yeah, it's not costing me anything off of my life. And I might learn some meditative habits right. that really every... help me break through. But it's hard to even guess what being in a situation like that for a year would do. It's it's difficult to predict. And so that difficulty makes it unappealing. Um, because to me, in my decision making, I tend to want to fully understand the decision or realistically understand the situation before I go into it. And, and the temptation with intermediate purgatory is like, ah, I can handle a year, but, uh, I don't know that. And I suspect that a year could feel like an eternity with no, I've never gone weeks in my life of not talking to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of mm -hmm. isolation alone and, I mean, even if you said, oh, it has Netflix or something like that in Purgatory, that might help to be able to see people and form some sort of uh, one-sided relationship with them. But even then, it would be a very sad and lonely, lonely time. So just having a tennis ball to keep me company, it'd be like a Wilson scenario, you know, um, where, you, where I have friends <laughs> with the tennis ball. Um but I want to go back to tele 
teleporter party and uh and rebirth day rebirth day sounds fascinating let me throw a scenario at you like if i went and went to vegas put it all on red and won uh the next day if i did that means if i went to vegas put it all on red i would win again yes um if it well so maybe you would have to do all of your actions you know because of the spider effect You'd have to do all of your actions exactly the same way, but if you could time it, you know, if maybe instead of it being Vegas, if it was a horse okay, race. Okay, horse race because yes, that yes, that. that like I had little and that makes sense. Um, I was just wondering about that, right? Like, because one of the temptations would be the betting or or whatever yeah. advantages I could gain monetarily. Yeah, yeah the lottery, stuff like that. whatever. If the lottery happens on your birthday, yeah, that that you can. Games of chance would be hard. But, um, yeah, a race or, you know, a sporting event, maybe the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, um, which would not happen on my birthday, but, yeah. I, well, I, <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> it, it will never fall on December 1st. It just won't. The te- so well, the teleporter potty, I could I could theoretically to- buy and try to hide some porta potties, like, in, in – uh, weird like you know in the woods nearby a town that's desirable to go to and so long as it doesn't get discovered or moved uh because if it you know if they cleared the land up oh, go buy a porta potty i'm sure you know um but mm-hmm. uh, there are also probably locations where porta potties are maybe not permanent but more you know they're they're definitely there for a longer amount of time like concert venues and um things like that you know sometimes at concert venues you see those big old rows of porta potties and they're just there or yeah because they're often at like yeah you're right they stay there because it's a venue that is built for concerts and or like state fairs and stuff and so they're semi-permanent uh and there's like Mm -hmm. food truck uh like outings that are basically not food trucks they're right. just a bunch of them that are permanent little places and they have and teleportation that idea could be monumental um ah uh, yeah i mean e- even even having uh e- even if you bought your first porta potty and put it you know at your house where, where you live um then that means that well, now you only ever have to do one-way travel, you know? Like, as long as you can find a porta potty somewhere, then you can always get back home instantaneously. That is truly appealing. Uh, Okay. I tend to, when it comes to time travel or altering future type stuff, which I think Rebirth Day has more of that, I, I, whether it's reading too much literature, I mean, the lesson from every time travel thing is don't, don't screw with the future or don't try to screw with destiny. Um, and that has been baked into me. So as, as tempting as it is, if I were to choose one of these teleporta potty doesn't feel like I'm tempting God or fate or, you know, the idea of destiny, uh, teleporta potty just sounds like I could be more efficient, enjoy some things, and have and have a richer life without trying. Because tell because rebirth day kind of gets dark in that like oh I'll just try and I'll take I'll engage in risky behavior and see if it works out and if it does I'll just do it the next day. Uh, but again, that's like I'm not mm-hmm. sure that really throws 
uh, a like like as a moral person trying to live their life now you're given this sort of do over and so it's tempting to sort of you know go against your morals and see if it works out and i just i don't know like everything i read it just kind of puts me off on that so i'm thinking teleport a potty if i'm choosing one of those and then oh, let me enter intermittent purgatory or doom dreamer i Ideally, if Doom Dreamer is just a dream, it, well, it's not just a dream, I guess. That's the, the torturous part. Uh, and knowing, not only knowing your loved ones and friends' fate, but like have being forced to, it wouldn't just be like, oh, now I know. It's I have to experience it nightly in probably a series of, I mean, lots of dreams per night. I mean, some some days I'm only interacting with I mean, as a teacher, I'm actually interacting with dozens of people. So I'm having fast dreams of people's death. And I would either have to just learn to ignore it. And if I could, then it's actually not that big of a deal. But I cannot imagine knowing that this is truth. It's not just grotesque dreams. It's, it's truth. It's future prediction. So that would be hard to ignore. If it were grotesque dreams, I could convince myself I'm strong enough to just discount these are horrible dreams. That's it. But given that they are predictive in nature, I... I don't know that I could shake that. So one thing one thing about it that I thought was interesting when I was consider, considering this one is that cuz cuz I considered, you know, grotesque dreams, but you know, what's more grotesque, you know, something grotesque or the truth? That's a that's that's a question you start up while you're waiting <laughs> for food um with a stranger, yeah, yeah. you know? Um like but but also, you know, keep in mind that many people maybe even most i guess most people their deaths aren't grotesque right i mean a lot of people old bedside old yeah attack or right whatever and so like is it sad yeah it's sad um but you know it's not like your dreams are going to be non-stop slasher movie poisons, right maybe eight out of ten are just sort of uh they died and at at 75 of of cancer or something you know i i mean right that is a good point that they're not and there might even be could you learn to take comfort in that saying oh they're gonna have a nice long life and you could i think you could and then it's possible i mean the there's no doubt that there's like this is going to be heavy stuff that you have to deal with like you have to deal with this information in some way whether you cope or delude yourself or you know, whatever you, you're gonna have to deal with this information the question is can you handle what if you start to live your life by i'm only gonna surround myself with those who die of like natural old age causes because oh like turns out this person close in my life is murdered They're... and i cannot handle those dreams every night <laughs> so i have to distance myself from them <laughs> and then they like call me and yeah. like no leave you're... me alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah weird i mean there probably would be some strange you know strange psychological effects that happen yeah of that. yeah um and then intermittent purgatory yeah the the difficult to gauge uh i'm sure i could come up with some amusing means of entertaining myself um right yeah so once every five years you have to yeah do this. yeah uh and it's not aging me. Yeah, so like, you know, it's really only the mental 
aspect, right? The mental and psychological aspect. If you can tolerate that, then physically you're not losing anything and time is paused while you're there. So it's not like you're missing out on experiences with, you know, your friends and family and everything. Um, it's just, can you tolerate, can you tolerate? I think that that is, even though it's riskier, I can, in terms of, gosh, a year, (laughs) I keep coming back to a year. Because if, if you had said, like, one day a week I had to do this, then it's frequent. And that might be... It's more it's, frequent. No, it's not. It's, it's not. But it's close. Uh, but that's spread out. One day yeah, a week. So one out of every out eight of, days I'm spent... Or seven, seven, you know. One out of every seven, seven days. And this is one year out of every six. But a year at a time versus 24 so hours. I think I think I'm going to choose intermittent purgatory if I had to put so it would be like the reason being is doom dreamer I'm I'm with a relative degree of certainty it is too much for me uh even though like you said and, and you made a you made me think you made me pause there and go yeah actually most will probably be this but but I really it would change relationships with people if if they it would just hurt a lot and and almost inevitably cause a lot of damage at least intermittent purgatory usually i don't go for the unknown but when i'm so certain the known is awful uh i mean this flies in the face of that that what's that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't but like in this case the devil i know with doom dreamer is so bad i'll take my chances because even if intermittent purgatory is severe and i kind of crack a little bit I'd like to hope I can pick the pieces back up, you know, when I return. Um, Imagine how strange it would be, um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know when this triggers, but let's just imagine, you know, you go to sleep on Tuesday and then the, you know, intermittent purgatory triggers and you, you know, you're whisked off to the For a void. year. Um, yeah. And for a year. And then you come back on Wednesday morning, you know, after you have experientially spent a year in the void and you know you're going into your classroom and and your kids are like (laughs) talking about their homework assignment from yesterday and you're like what are you talking about like remind me of everything that you're hugging all your loved ones and your friends and you're like ah ah so good to see you and all of this (laughs) would i be able to tell them and they would believe me so they could maybe even prep and like they just go to bed on Tuesday, wake up Wednesday, and they like throw me a party and go, "Hey!" And they like can be gentle with me. Am I allowed to do that? Sure. There's no. There's nothing in this drawback that suggests that you couldn't do that. That you know they would just have to believe you if you can convince them. Yeah. Um, I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, but you could. You could maybe. You know. You could. You might be able to prove. Well, not maybe not prove, but highly suggest that you're telling the truth. Like you have a year in which to, you know you get to spend the time. So you could on Tuesday night say, "Okay, how about this? I'm gonna mem- I'm gonna write and memorize a story while I sleep tonight." And I would be like, "No way, that's impossible." Or you wouldn't say a story; you would say a macro poem, <laughs> I guess. Right? It would be a it's like a huge epic poem, and I would be like, "You can't do that." And then Wednesday morning after having spent a year 
devising this macro poem and writing it on the wall with your sharpie, you know, you and memorizing it, you would come back and recite it to me, and I would be forced to admit that something's going on here. It must be a drawback and superpowers and drawbacks. That's even a intermittent purgatory. That's even a strong case for like memorizing keeps you sane. It gives you something to occupy your brain intellectually, and I would like write out a really long poem and then just take to memorizing it, and you know. I guess I wouldn't bother doing too many push. I mean, I could work out, but like, there's no re- need to up my physical. Like, it wouldn't matter really. But yeah, it wouldn't matter. Um, I mean, yeah, it would. You know, there are benefits to physical exercise in the moment. You know, that exhaustion I mean, or would... whatever. But yeah, you can't you can't get buffed while you're in the void and then come back and like suddenly. Have a workout, I think this you know? would even change me potentially for the better. It's kind of what doesn't. What doesn't something makes you? What doesn't? What, doesn't, what isn't really that? What doesn't kill me makes whatever. When I go through bad things, I can come <laughs> out stronger. Yeah, right. That's what they say. And so, but I do after, be- after a lot of thought. I do believe that if you learn to peacefully handle this year, that it would it, that those gains that 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 mental uh, fortitude is a good word would serve me immeasurably in my regular life so all right that's true and i agree with that but can't can't you also say the same about doom dreamer like if you could learn to accept mortality and yes because truly like this is what you know i you know my choice between these two is extremely close i had i haven't even worked it out until you put me on the spot i don't know if i'll even choose choose between these but like the thing about Doom Dreamer to me is that it is the truth. You know what you what you see in your dreams, whether you dream it or not, it will happen. You know, um, like right now, without the drawback, everyone you know and love will die one day, and that's horrifying, right? Like that's traumatic if you think about it too long to know that all of your friends and family are gonna die, you're gonna die too. Yeah, like, that's terrifying, but it's the truth, and if you could learn to accept accept that you know, you dream it and you accept that, then you might, you, you build up a certain kind of mental fortitude. That's a that compelling well. point, you honestly. To, you, you may learn to appreciate the people in your life more, or maybe you dream, you know, someone dies young um, and that you have that knowledge. They'll never believe you and you can't intervene, but you know to make the most of your time with them while you can, you know. I- uh, gosh, that's actually a really compelling point. That if 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 my perspective shifts, in which I we all intellectually acknowledge that all we're all gonna die, but I don't uh, emotionally. We I think we bury it deeply. Like this is something that we just do. Right. I mean, because we want to go on and live our lives and have joy, and and so. Well, and that's also why you know when a family member dies suddenly, or or even not suddenly. It's so emotionally, it's a huge emotional toil, yes. right? Because we we don't think about death, we don't think about mortality, we bury it, and then when it happens, it slaps us in the face. All of that turmoil, you know, hits you at once, and it's, it demands it's, to be resolved. We we can bury it, and and right. it's nothing's demanding to be resolved. So so Doom Dreamer, this this would would demand that you resolve it before it happens in a way it's just so so right. in theory it could break me open 
a lot could come out in terms of me having to, to wrestle with the idea of death and mortality and all of that. But I could come out with like almost a peaceful perspective and say, yes, this is just a reality. And, and I just happen to know some things and, and I would, it might insist that I have perspective and, and alleviate some small time stress that like, you know, for instance, right now I'm experiencing a sense of overwhelm at work with whatever X, Y, and Z, I could list them and complain about it. But, but if I, I just have a hard time believing that I would be as stressed about my work situation if I was deeply aware of my and everyone else's mortality. I just would have a perspective that was a bit bigger picture. And so, right. Well, imagine too, you know, that annoying kid in your class who continues to misbehave and treats you disrespectfully or yeah, whatever, like when, when you see them die in your dream and it kind of makes their trivial misbehavior, like you're just kind of like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be too upset at them for that. If So the question is, do I think, and I think it's conceivable that it would, I could kind of overcome what I currently like. Like, like my newfound perspective could be an uh, an unforeseen gift uh, that I'm like, okay, uh, like if I am able to shift to that direction, then all of a sudden Dune Dreamer is just something I accept in my dreams, but I, and I accept in reality, you know, ah, uh, well now you've thrown that in there, I might choose, Dune. actually I will choose Doom, I, I, I this is one of the oh. first times I think I, would shift the two up. So yeah, I would, I would stick with, I still haven't decided whether I'd walk away or not, by the way, but teleport a potty and doom, doom dreamer. Yep. Uh, And then I, so what do you think? Is it worth it? Is teleport a potty worth doom dreamer? Um, no, (laughs) no, Like almost, I'm trying to think of a case for it, and it's a resounding no uh, for me. I mean, just you would be like this Buddha-like monk, having toppled your fear True. of death, pooping in a porta potty, able to just zap to wherever you want. You know, like I mean, think about how super heroic. I you would. would be. I'd be this Zen character who's wise, profound, and efficient. Um, right. And and I almost don't recognize myself in this scenario, you know. No, I, I well, such as such as level eight. It's it's scary oh, at that level, and it's so unrecognizable. I don't know who I would be after uh, facing and accepting death. Even though, I mean, I'm almost in the position of saying that that's there is. I really do believe there'd be a gift if I accepted it. There's also a chance that I crack and like it's in a in a bad way and kind of don't don't come back. I can't accept it, and that it's just you know, sends me into a spiraling depression or something like that. There's a chance, right? Uh, that it's just too, sure. the weight is too much to bear. So, and, and I think almost certainly I'd have to go through that and then break and then reform stronger. I don't think it would just be like, oh, this kind of sucks. And then, oh, enlightenment about death. I think I'd have to be yeah. broken. And that is a, that's something not to, that is not a trivial uh circumstance to go through so uh yeah i my it would be teleporter potty and doom dreamer and i'm walking away uh but man you i mean you gave a good shot you tempted me for a bit like yeah yeah yeah. but i gotta walk away what about you all right yeah oh man i'm 
it, this is a, a difficult one for me as well. I, I mean, I'm on the same page with you for a lot of your reasoning. Teleporta potty. Tel, teleporta potty isn't as momentous as any any of the others. Agree. Um, you know, it's not as momentous as rebirth day or the or any of the drawbacks. It's it's a little lighter. It's still very powerful, but it doesn't have the implications that the others do. Um, I think that, you know, if I had this power, I could make it very powerful, right? By, you know, positioning porta potties. You would get very strategic, and, and yes. Poop, <laughs> yeah, and pooping in them all, and you could you could use that to your benefit. I'm trying to think what's the upper what's the ceiling on that benefit. You know, like imagine. You know, I have this teleport. I think you do have a network. I think you could hide two in an area as a backup. So when one gets eliminated, you go back and correct it. So you like. I could build a lot. I could get like primer on things and build a huge porta potty and put a porta potty inside of it. And (laughs) your porta potty, my porta potty. I think you start learning to bury. Well, never mind. I was thinking, just bury them. They'll never get discarded. Okay. But like, <laughs> so stupid. And then, and then, then you pour, poop yourself into a coffin. Yeah. And you can't get out. <laughs> That's funny. So, but I, the the ceiling would be, you know, I have a porta potty in, you know, all the major cities around the world, and I can just I can zap anywhere. And so this basically means vacation. Visits you with know, the, friends. The Your friends case. would understand you have this power, and they certainly would be willing to put them in their yards. That's and true. Stuff too. That's that's yeah. I didn't consider that, but that's actually that's more valuable than being able to just pop out like on to the go beach to Paris and, and you know, Thailand yeah. or whatever. Well, that's all really cool, and I certainly would, um, you know, use it for vacationing, or you know, I can go have a genuine dinner in you know the place where the cuisine is best or whatever. That would be really really awesome. But how awesome is it? Pretty awesome, but it also takes a lot of work. So, you know, that's that's just kind of it is what it is. Rebirth Day sounds on its face like a no-brainer, right? It it sounds like the better one because it's, like, it's magic in which you can truly affect the future. You can undo things. Time travel has always been one of my... Yeah, it's a sci-fi thing that I really like. I, I like stories that have time travel, even if they're a little corny. And the possibilities... Oh, I mean, monetarily, uh, relationships, like taking some risks Everything. that you wouldn't so, otherwise. Oh, it's just so appealing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can imagine the potential, right? Like you could, if there's someone you dislike, you know, the classic, you know, you can really just let your boss that you hate have it. I don't have that situation, but... Or people you like, you know, you can be truly vulnerable with them and see, you know, if you have a someone you have a crush on, you can finally, you know, all all the classic time travel around naked somewhere, you know, (laughs) you can do whatever, you know. I mean, there's the danger, as you mentioned, though, of of a corruption of your morals, like what dark thoughts would enter your mind, you know, like I could murder someone and then undo it. You know, I could get I could get the gratification or the corruption, whatever it is. Like you could, the the limits are taken off, and you learn, or are tempted to learn who you really are, and that's pretty terrifying, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you have to be bound by your own discipline. As you're no, you're no longer bound by reality, you have to be bound by your discipline. And 
well, you have to face whether you. And if you are disciplined, then what's the point? (laughs) Like if you. Right. Well, and when I when I ask myself that, I think that. I think that even if I had this power, I wouldn't be murdering and raping people. You know, like I'm not. <laughs> That's good I've to no know. In, I've no in, Well, I have no interest in that. But I would, you know, taking risks. You know that, like you're certainly going to do that. And so, you know, I would be tempted to, you know, like steal a car and drive extremely fast. You know, like go on a joyride or high speed chase. Or if you whatever. die, you, know, you so, said the injuries reset. Does, would death just give you that reset as well? You got to say yes, I think, or are you gonna, or it's okay. I think you have to. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, it really, really cuts down on your options. So yeah, I guess I will say. I guess I will say that. So, so again, like this is another one where your creativity really affects the power, you know, how strong this power is. But does my argument about all the narratives we ever have kind of are cautionary tales against it? Does that, does that uh, affect you? Cause it does affect me. I mean, so doesn't, it doesn't like the thing about that narrative is that time travel, as far as we know, does not really exist. And so no one has truly been able to learn the lessons. Yes. They're speculating the lessons. Yeah. They're speculating the lessons. Now, I, I'm not that cynical about moral lessons and stories. Um, I think that there's a lot of value there. But all that value generally is from real experience. You know, people have had the experiences they abstracted into the story. And I, I think that, I mean, I think probably what all these narratives about time travel are saying is that, you know, when you toss your moral code to the wind, then that's bad and... You'd certainly be tempted to do that with rebirth. And if day, and if you bad. didn't, then then, I mean, I guess there's still fun to be had without tossing your or like like risky behaviors that are not tossing your morals. Like if you, you know. So I mean, just think think about the the lamest do nothing limit case. You get to experience your birthday twice, right? Like even yeah, you know, you get to be with your family and friends and have your birthday party twice and get the presents twice and. You know, even if you only mildly altered your actions to show a little bit more excitement when you open this present or, oh, I forgot to give my aunt a hug, you know, like what, even small little things, that's still a nice to have. That's not a level eight, but like, you know, it's, it's still kind of nice. Yeah. It, doesn't go t- it doesn't go terribly wrong off the rails at that level. And that's within your power. If after, you know, one birthday, maybe you feel like this is dangerous for you. Like you did something, you did something you regret on your, on your first birthday that you undid and you're worried about the darkness that might reside inside you. Well, all the rest of your birthdays, you could just, you know, open your presents twice. (laughs) I like it. So then now I don't think, so I, uh, I'm still, mm. so teleport a potty. I'm trying to imagine the, in the limit, like I say, I could have a world-spanning network of porta potties, and I could just I could go wherever I want, and I could see you know see my friends whenever. But I'm still limited by you know my friends being busy and you know my own sleep cycle and all of that sort of stuff. So being able to go wherever, I mean, honestly, how much better than airplane travel are teleport? Oh, I think a, a lot. I think that we would hang out on the weekends, or you would like it. Yeah, but if I really wanted to hang out with you that much, I could just live near you, you know? <laughs> True. I mean, 
I mean, I do. I, you know, if we, if I had teleport a body, I certainly would. I would. Like hang you out did with just you move, on. and you could have moved anywhere, because and you did not move near me. So that, I didn't. I, <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, not I, that's that's the fact of the matter. That's the that's a reality dreamer. You know, like that's the way it is. But I mean, to, to be to, to be generous to your feelings, like I strongly consider moving. <laughs> near near you but i just don't like where you live so, yeah no uh, i'm not offended at all it's just a too. funny statement of a yeah but if i really wanted to hang out a lot i just live near here it's not that. <laughs> i know i well that's what i'm saying like but that reality so conceived yeah like it could have happened and literally super, you had a you had a the, the golden opportunity recently and yeah it didn't so yeah i mean how super is the superpower i don't know i think rebirth day is just more of a superpower so I think uh, I am gonna go with I'm gonna go with rebirth day, and I'm gonna trust that I have the moral fortitude to endure and the creativity to make rebirth day worth it. So that's what I'm going with between the two. Okay. Now for the drawbacks, uh, intermittent purgatory or doom dreamer. So I I can tolerate solitude. I think better than better than you can. Is that do you think, I that's, think that's fair that's to say? Very fair. I mean, I live a pr- fairly solitary life already. Um, like, uh, you know, I talk to the people I order lunch from, and, you know, I don't eat lunch out every day. I talk to my coworkers every day um, at work, I guess, virtually. Um, so I'm, and, and I'm not like depressed or you know, my mental status isn't like in danger because of that. I'm actually pretty, pretty happy with that situation. A year is a long time to spend totally alone, even for me, but I have the greater Chicago metropolitan area phone book, <laughs> so circa 1984, so... You can write so, stories I mean, about the, the people in them, you can... Well, so I was trying to think what would I do for a year in there, and you know, I have the Sharpie marker with infinite ink, so you could write. You could write on the wall or on the floor or whatever, and... You can, you can put a lot of time into writing, so yes. you know I could I could reflect on the previous five years and write about that on the wall. I could write stories. I could recall from memory all kinds of things and write them down, and that would certainly help with you know, the boredom. I would almost have to engage in some sort of meditation, something you know, like that's just a long. A long time to spend in silence. Um, the tennis ball, you know, that's kind of a lighthearted little entertainment. I could play wall ball with myself. Yeah. I could throw it really high, bounce. It's it. also I physical. Could, it's know. very physical. So that's something important. Yeah, it's, I phys- think. it's a physical thing. And then the the phone book, like, yeah, it's funny, <laughs> but can I can I guess material. how you? Yeah, that's I, you wanted to say a book, and then you thought about different narratives, but you thought that's too entertaining or something, so you went with phone book, and then you just sort of select i just wanted something i just wanted something that would make you have to think how to be entertained right like if you get a novel then the obvious thing to do is just read the novel and then it's going to get old after reading it once you know um like the diminishing returns it's strange to say but i feel like the diminishing returns on the greater chicago metropolitan area 1984 phone book is smaller than on you know a novel a regular old story right. novel like you have to make yourself find value in the phone book and i think you can i think you would 
it would take time to find that value. And well, that's what you're trying to do is spend time in the purgatorial void. And then if you got tired of reading it, you know, you could tear out the pages and make paper airplanes or, you know, ball them up and build a pyramid out of the crumpled balls or take the pages and put them flat on the ground and then run really fast and slide on them. Like, I don't know. You could just, you got a year to figure out how to use the phone book. Um, and here's and the then, interesting thing then, about that, by the way, if you were to give a, just a big old novel, uh, I would think that's just obviously better because you can do all the same things. But if you start to tear the pages out, you can't reread it or you have to hmm. consider each page is precious in its own right because it's part of a greater narrative. Whereas the pages in a phone book are, I guess, less yeah, uh, consequential. That's a good point. So, and you can put them back in order if you need to. Could be a game too, putting them in a, whatever. <laughs> so that uh, it's is tolerable. I think I could manage. I don't think I would go crazy from intermittent purgatory. And it's every five years. I wonder what happens on your birthday. What do you mean? Uh, whatever. Like the combination of I chose rebirth day oh. and intermittent purgatory. So there's one. But time's year. not passing, right? So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not passing, so it doesn't matter. Doom Dreamer, we cover we, we covered a lot. Could I tolerate it? I I think I I think I could. I mean, there's no doubt that it would be traumatic. You know, it would be emotionally affecting to see the people that you interact with um die but i just can't get away from that thought that they're gonna they're gonna die anyway and so the only thing different is my knowledge my comprehension of the fact and i do have some information about it so you know like if someone you care about dies in a robbery or something in your dream and you see it i mean your robbery is now more real to you or a car accident that is now more real to you. We kind of we kind of put that from our minds when we get in a car or when we walk down a dark back alley or whatever. You know, we yeah. put it from our minds and we don't we don't think that we're gonna get mugged or smashed into by a bus or anything. But if you see it every night, or even one night, you know, if it's someone you care about, well that that is now more real to you. Again, it's not anything new. It's it's been real the whole time. It's just now that now you're more aware of it. So you, if if I chose this, then I would have to make it to that Zen-like state that we talked about, and and you think you could make that? I think I could make it, but the question is, which Zen do I want? Do I want the Purgatory Zen or the Doom Dreamer Zen? Like, which one can I tolerate more? And it's so hard to say. I I I find it very difficult to choose between these two. I feel like intermittent purgatory. What could I what could I gain from these drawbacks? Intermittent purgatory, I could. I could generate the things that I write. I could I could order my thoughts. You know, every five years I have a long time to, to really process. put things in my yeah. Br- yeah, put things in my brain in order, um, which is you know that could be beneficial. Doom Dreamer, what do I benefit from it? You know, it would be that strength that you mentioned of acknowledging mortality. And then also, like, I do think there's some information to be gained if, you know, like, there's someone who dies young, you can spend your time with them more in a more valuable way um, or spend more time with them. Um, I, or, I think the strength, you know, it runs see, deeper than that, by the way, just strength. It's pro- it's a it's, profound worldview shift. It's like you, you are accepting something that I think every other 
person on the planet. I mean, maybe there's someone else who has, but but you're accepting and, and have a perspective that is like enlightening. Yeah, so it's not just a strength right. thing. It's like a holy moly. You are. I really do think that Zen state would be huge. I don't even know what I mean when I say yeah. Zen. It's just a hippie term, but like, <laughs> I mean, I know it's sure. a religious yeah, and spiritual but, term. Yeah, but. you you can't overstate that that strength for sure. There's also um maybe you know taking it back a step and not quite as deep like sleep i love to sleep i love sleeping it's so nice it feels good and like it changes your state of mind right like if you're worked up on one day and you go to sleep when you wake up in the morning you're refreshed and you're not as stressed or worked up but now this drawback it takes that away from me right like sleep is no longer a peaceful void i don't usually dream anyway now it's filled with really affecting negative things and you know it takes away that refuge that i don't like that right so i i think i think i lean towards intermittent purgatory like i think i could top i think i'm suited for you know if i have to endure that like i think i could manage and i might be able to squeeze some utility from it and it would be annoying but it's once every five years, meaning, you know, like I have you know, rough, give or take 50 years left. So 10 purgatories. Well, with recent advances in medical science, <laughs> yeah, I might be 11 purgatories. Yeah. Could be 12 could, purgatories could be, even. Could be 12. That's pretty wild to think about. So with 13 purgatories... <laughs> Should I tolerate 14 purgatories? Now, how old would you be if you were to do the math on 14? 100, you know, it'd be, you know, every five years. So 70 years plus where I am. Now, that would put me at over 100 years old. Ridiculous, but but maybe. 15 purgatories. (laughs) (laughs) No, so do you choose it? Do you choose, well, you said intermittent purgatories, what you're choosing, and and rebirth. 16 purgatories. (laughs) Would you choose it? Um, <laughs> or do you walk away? Uh, I I would take it. I would take you it. Take man. your sixteen look, purgatories. Just, look, just 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 imagine rebirthday. Even if I only have one rebirthday, if I wisely put my life savings on you know the, a horse race or the lottery or whatever, like I could radically alter my day to day. And the and for and in fact the rest of my life, simply monetarily, not even getting into the create creative uses of rebirth day, if that's only if that's the only thing I used it for, then I could radically alter the course of my life. And then intermittent purgatory, if I can tolerate that, which I think I can, then well, I mean that kind of tilts the scales a little bit, right? Like that. I guess so. Uh, I just would think for you things it. like monetarily, like as far as you, yeah, what, it's not that I'm. Just, you know, I don't care Maybe about money Maybe you get like a much. heated bidet, like a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of having the cold, ice cold water one, you know, <laughs> because it's affordable. Well, so there's a difference, right? Like, you know, I don't live extravagantly um, because I don't have any super strong desire for that. But really, it's, it's a cost benefit thing to live extravagantly takes extravagant effort um, to earn the money and manage the money and blah, blah, blah. But re- rebirth day might, you know, if used correctly, it might allow me to sidestep the effort. It would be almost as if someone plopped down 
unlimited money. Here's here's a funny life. thought. You could there's no rule against telling like say me that you that you have this rebirthday gift and that you invite me on these adventures and I kind of have to trust but I never remember and you tell me about our crazy adventures <laughs> that like <laughs> on that birthday and I just am like ha- having to trust. <laughs> And you could kind of prove it by like saying this horse is going to rent win. This is second, third, fourth, fifth, and it happens. And uh, sure. and I'm like, all right, let's do crazy adventures. And you're like, dude, you died yesterday. Oh, it sucked. <laughs> uh, so we're not not doing that one again. You know. Oh, uh, uh, I could do that. I could. Uh-huh. That would just be a funny thing that I could. You could just lie to me now and tell me it's happening, and that's why you and, and, and tell me we went on a too crazy of an adventure yesterday. This time, that's we're just gonna you know go out to eat and like have a normal have a normal day. Like it was too much for me. <laughs> yeah, that's how it would be. You would have you know one insane day, and then your second birthday, you're gonna be opening your present from your aunt, and it's gonna be kind of like ah, <sighs> thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the candle. And then, you know? <laughs> and that's all, yeah, and that's all it would be from, like, so from my perspective, you'd just tell me these wild stories that we went on. It'd just be so weird. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, there's, yeah. So you, so t- I'm, you take I'm it. Gonna just, I'm, you know, I'm going to take it. This is a podcast. I can just, you know, I'm just going to live. I'm going to live a little, man. And I'm going <laughs> to take it. I'm going to take Rebirthday and Intermittent Purgatory. Right. That's what I'm going to go with. I think I could manage. I'd like to see how many I've turned down. I feel like I've turned down most of them. I don't know. I think – I'm not sure. I haven't I, I haven't counted or I didn't make a mark of that. Uh-huh. But I think you probably have. It's probably fairly close. So this is the first time we've done one at such a high power level. How do you – how do you think it compares to the low power level ones? Uh, is it more fun, less fun, same amount of fun? As far as intellectually investigating it, I thought it was just as much fun. I just am scared that my answer is always going to be walking away. The more severe the consequences get, it means the less I can predict and I'm risk averse. And so as long as that's not a boring takeaway is that I'm likely to walk away. I don't even know if that's true, by the yeah. way. It's just my, my I, I think, guess. I think it's about it's about the balance, right? Imagine you had you had a seesaw and you had a, a pebble on one side and like a battery on the other side. You know, if you remove the pebble, then the seesaw is just slowly going to fall over yeah. to the battery. It's not weird. But imagine you had like you know, a say a giant metal safe and a boulder and you take one off, the seesaw is really quickly going to fall one direction or right. the other. And so it's kind of like that, right? Like at the level one superpowers and drawbacks, things just aren't as momentous. You might walk away. You might not walk away. It doesn't really matter that much, but at the high level ones, the balance is almost more important, right? Because I think so. If you, but as long as the balance is correct, if as long as I do a decent job balancing the numbers, then they should be interesting at every level. And that, because surely there's some combination of superpower and drawback, no matter how powerful in which you would choose, you know, you would choose it, you would take it. And I'm with you. I think that the balance was good here. I mean, ultimate, it's easy for me to step in as someone who didn't think of it and critique it and say, oh, well. I think that those strengths were not, or the superpower was not quite as strong as the drawback, but the fact that we were able to sit there and debate it for a while, uh, I think speaks to it. So, yeah. And, and the fact that you would take it, by the way, also is is an argument that, that, that that's not true. Like, my claim is not true. 
Yeah, some of them, you know, some of them are better balanced uh, than than others. It's there's so many variables that we get into, and obviously you don't explore it for thirty minutes in your head when you have them. So it's hard to the variables that come out uh, can be surprising or go in different directions, which is the pleasure of the game. So right, I could spend the one purgatory like coming up with a ton of these. <laughs> you know, would, yeah, yeah, we have so much material. I like that. <clears throat> so we kind of it's actually i didn't intend for um superpowers and drawbacks to have any any overlap but uh it kind of segues into something i wanted to talk about so let me just pose this question to you bluntly okay what what is creativity <sighs> what is creativity um I was my knee jerk was to go into sort of a we we engage in life and then we come up with or we 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 face a problem of some sort or some moment that we need to reorient go a different direction or find a solution to that and so in that in those solutions we have to invent something because the the path wasn't working it was disrupted the the, the nature of a problem is that it is not, you know, what we're currently doing is not working. So I have to reorient and, and come up with a different way of doing something. So out of that, I have to create a new pathway or a new solution or a new outside of my previous operations. And in that is creativity. I also want to, so that's one angle my brain went. The other angle was like, well, I think uh, producing from, producing a narrative or producing a piece of a piece of art uh whether that's literature or painting or a sculpture or some product like like that's not solving a problem as much as it's uh uh having nothing and well i can't say nothing but you know wanting to explore an idea and then so taking an and then and then manifesting something that explores an idea in a unique way uh that's very vague to say but manifesting something mm-hmm. that explores an idea in a unique way which maps on to the problem solving you're still exploring an idea or a problem uh and in a unique way and having to manifest something around it is that fair no, that's fair. Excellent, excellent uh, analysis of creativity. Um, I appreciate so it. So you kind of have two, two, two definitions. One is very practically oriented. You know, how do we um, manipulate our environment or, or even our ideas in order to solve problems? It's goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And one, one which is a little, you know, you, you, have, you can make some arguments that it's goal oriented, but it's more it's a little bit more abstract. It's generating new ideas, really more novelty based, regardless of the goal. Um, right. But the goal, it, it still is, there is still some sort of problem like, Ooh, I have this, uh, this scenario that is not quite resolved. So I'm going to embark on a telling a story or creating a piece of art that in some ways attempts to make sense of, of this unresolved thing in me and I'm trying to get at a higher truth. So in some ways that is like trying to solve a problem. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I can see it. So your, your definitions are actually, they actually map really well onto the official definitions. Whatever. Really? Yeah, I, I, those are. okay. I'm curious. So the, the, 
the first definition of creativity um, that I found, um, the more psychological definition is the ability to discover new and original ideas, connections, and solutions to problems. So discover is an, instead of uh, create is interesting because those are very yeah. different discover or am I getting too hung up on that? I don't, well, it seems weird to define creativity as, you know, creating and just cause I it's know, the same but word. discovering but and you, creating are right. actually fundamentally different. One is coming upon it and it already exists in the world and you, you yeah. come upon it versus uh, you generating. manifesting and generating. Yeah. Like, why agree. not say generating, I, you know, I but, agree. I kind of quibble with this definition a, li- a little bit as well. But but the fact that it could be ideas or connections, connections is important too, right? Because you know a lot of times you're taking things that already exist and combining them in novel ways, and yes. that's considered creativity. Um, you could even so, argue so there is nothing new, you know, no new yeah, ideas. Yeah, I don't. I kind of don't like that. Uh, you hear that argument all the time, and ah, there's something inside me that just goes. Uh, it's just uncomfortable with that argument totally i understand it and i don't know i just i'm not i don't like well and really and quickly quick aside there's uh the adage you know history history repeats itself and then i came across a mark mark twain quote which you know he i feel like he's often misquoted so i don't know if it was him or not but uh, it was history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes and I had to sit there for a second and think about that. And so, yeah. uh, so in the same way, new, a template. Yeah. new ideas might, they actually, they might be new. They just rhyme in the sense that they uh, parallel yeah. some idea that's been out there, but it is still new. It just has a lot of parallels. They follow a general, a general pattern, but the specifics may vary. And of course they do. If, if, if logic has any root in truth, right. That like, yeah. anyway. Um, There's another definition of creativity, um, a phenomenon whereby something new and valuable is formed. What do you think of that definition? That suggests that like nature is creative, you know, that that, that, that doesn't. Can you read it one more time? A phenomenon whereby something new and valuable is formed. It's, It's provocative to me because it just suggests this sort of like out of chaos potentially or out of like the human spirit doesn't need to necessarily be a part of it like this can just sort of happen and there's something kind of thrilling about the idea of like some chaos but like hey like this since since something uh new or what uh valuable new and valuable new and valuable yeah uh i mean that brings up a lot of philosophical questions like you just brought up i didn't consider this but yeah is is you know a volcano creative because you know the the lava hardens and makes volcanic ash that's fertile ground for new plants and so that is like, valuable and it's new <laughs> right so is a volcano creative <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds is, stupid to say it but... sounds stupid right and i mean art is creative because it is creating necessarily I'm, human i think we need to De- delineate between be, something right. that's creating versus being creative right like so yeah because it's definitely creating something so and there's beauty could, in that and all of it but is it creative God, i do feel is, like it's distinctly human is creativity hu- i've thought of it as human human base i have to so i guess to po- to pose another annoying question like you know there are those birds that build like fantastic nests for mating yeah. do mate- mating dances and all that stuff have bird calls and whatnot is that creativity? Like, can non-human 
can animals I'm, have creativity? I'm okay with saying that, that animals... So I should, shouldn't say just human-based, but it would be something like... What's the word? Sentient? Uh, something yeah. uh, conscious? Sure, sen- sentient. Yeah, I guess sentient. would be the best word. Uh, that, that I'm comfortable saying, yes, animals can be creative. Because, of course, they can... Uh, encounter a problem and, and solve it in a novel way yes uh yeah so i'm, I'm that okay. doesn't that doesn't really throw me but the idea of like a, a volcano or rain water like, i don't know i don't know just like or lightning strikes something and creates a diamond or something i don't know mm. um, that that creative i mean it, it created but it's not creative right so. there, there has to be some sort of Go, go, I mean, you have to be directed, right? You have to have a goal and then reach it. Yeah, in there's some, some purpose way, some in it. Way. Well, I, obviously this, and and you could say, you could start to fold in, like, God create this this ecosystem that, you know, is beautifully, like, self-sufficient in some ways, and I don't know, but it just... Sure. And that is, that, that could be an argument. Uh, the creativity of nature points toward right. a, you know... Intelligent design. Intelligent design. Sort of yeah, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, is creativity a marker of consciousness? Would you say? Like that's the thing. So I was, you know, I, I have tried to define consciousness as a a human thing, right? Are animals conscious? Do they have consciousness? Uh, they're intelligent. They have some limited emotional capability, but are they conscious? It, no one has answered this question really. And so when I th- was thinking about creativity and with respect to animals if you have a goal-directed purpose and you're solving problems in new you know novel ways that seems like something that requires consciousness what do you think uh could you give me a working definition of conscious or consciousness no No. (laughs) i couldn't do that i mean that it's so vague it's fuzzy people don't People can't settle on a definition of consciousness. I'm, I'm taking, I'm, you know, some of these thoughts popped into my head because I'm taking a cognitive science class right now, and it's all about very interesting thing. It's actually really funny. Our podcast, the Third Space Podcast, could be retitled the Cognitive Science Podcast in a way because aside from some of the silly things we do, and even some of the silly things we do, is right in line with cognitive science. Um, yeah. Well, so, okay. I I think animals meet a lot of standards just to a lesser extent are they intelligent yes just way less intelligent than humans are they creative yes just way less creative than humans um do they have person yes but way less (laughs) (laughs) not so fast um (laughs) so are they conscious just way less so than humans uh Uh, i don't know to the point it's weird to say i mean and part of it gets into the i mean the territory is like if you then say that they're conscious and have all of these things, we shouldn't, you know, kill them and eat them. I guess, but that's a, yeah, a, maybe that's a step maybe. Further, but if it's but... so far, like if it's so small and stuff, if it's so, like maybe they're a t- can you be a tiny bit conscious? <laughs> can you be <laughs> semi-conscious? You know, maybe. I mean, clearly when we, that's a description of someone's knocked in the head and they're not all there. You know, they're semi-conscious. Uh, well, is a person who's been knocked in the head and not all there more conscious than a dog? 
I mean, you would have to say yes, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, I just... So, I don't know. Like, uh, But that seems the, more of a black and white, like, awake. What we're essentially saying is, are they functioning at their full capacity or not when we say semi-conscious? So that's a linguistic issue, right? That when someone's semi-conscious, they're not fully functioning is what that yeah, means. Sure. But we're sure. actually asking more of, like, what is consciousness and does that requ- does creativity require consciousness? And I'm 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 comfortable saying yes. Creativity requires consciousness because this. I'm. Okay. Let me ask this then: If creativity requires consciousness, can you can you make a computer program that is creative? No. So do you remember when we did the episode on AI Dungeon and we and it generated the stories for us? You remember that? Yes. Was yes. that creative? It's mimicking it? creativity in a in a okay. maybe a convincing fashion. But okay. I would not call it creative. Uh, but it. But this gets into blurred definitions. Is it? Is it? The utility of mimicking creativity is just as effect, or or possibly just as uh, strong as as genuine creativity. So you take that's like, an interesting observation. So well, is the mimicking of consciousness as important as consciousness oh, man. in the same way? <laughs> so then we have to treat AI <laughs> with human rights <laughs> or something, you know? Uh, well, this is what I mean, though. If Let's say you have a, a very uh, complex AI machine writing uh, TV episodes and mm-hmm. and they're, they're entertaining and the masses love it and it's high rating, then that's what I mean by it's it's mimicked creativity, but who mimic or not, it's creating something uh, valuable in that yeah. people are enjoying new, it, and it, there's no problem there. It might as well be a, a creativity. So it just if, is like, you know, if we go well, either of the official definitions, the ability to discover new and original ideas, connections, and solutions to problems. Certainly, a computer can discover new yes. solutions to problems, right? Okay. Or, or the other definition of phenomenon whereby something new and valuable is formed. Well, I mean, okay. they can definitely do that. But when, what official, is it doing? But, Isn't it doing computation? I mean, yeah, okay. Well, so imagine you you had two columns in a gigantic table and the computer, and they were all food ingredients, maybe. I'm just throwing something okay. out there. And you list every possible food ingredient in one column and then the other, and you have the computer scramble them all up. Or maybe it's food ingredients in one column and uh, like drink combinations in the other column, whatever. Anyway, there's so many that a human couldn't ever make all the combinations, but the computer can quickly, maybe it, maybe it has their, uh, their nutritional components too. Anyway. Yeah. And some sort of list of what does and does not go together traditionally. Like something. Anyway, it generates, a new dish, you know, a new yes. combination of foods. It takes, you know, the guava from whatever country and the dessert from this other country and combines it in a special way. And and we see that and we go, wow, I, we never thought of that. That's new and tasty. So it solves the problem of my hunger. Like, that's creative. This computer was creative. Is that true? Was it creative or did it just crunch numbers did it follow some deterministic pathway to get to an answer um are those is that an either or i mean uh, didn't it do both uh, of those things you know uh, yeah kind of like it's did. factual that it did both of those things i mean do we just have to draw a line in the sand and say no creativity is a human phenomenon and computers can't be creative like we just that's why i friend. said no in sort of a provocative fashion intentionally to say like i i mean 
it's mimicking creativity to the point that it doesn't matter, but, or I, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but it, it, the definition, it looks the same to us. Uh, it seems, it seems identical because it, but we have to be careful and say what it's doing is mimic. It, it is not thinking. It is computing, right? Like, mm. and then when, but we blur like when we say we're thinking like let me do the computations in my head like let me do the pros and cons and weigh in like is is thinking computing com- computing <laughs> well i don't think we know the answer to that question uh consciousness i mean we, I mean, we like to believe that there's more there's more to our thought than just you know electrochemical oh, i certainly feel in i feel brain. fundamentally invested in that that idea sure yeah I mean, I mean, and i think I think people that go down the path of it not like they they it's a one to one ratio of those that not just entertain that intellectually but start to believe it that they are depressed and and go down a really and nothing matters sort of thing so like we're hardwired there you go we're we are we are designed <laughs> to compute in a way that is invested in the idea that our consciousness is special unique and we're the only ones or not only ones, but we are like creativity is a conscious and beautiful thing. I don't know. Right. So, I mean, this is the line of thought that, you know, if you cast it forward, however many decades or centuries, and we manage to build a machine that is chemically or mechanically identical to the human brain. And it, you know, it can think and reason and all of these things because it's artificial because we made it. It's not it's still not conscious, right? But here's the and, and it could be an interest. I've thought about this that if we did that, it, then it would also be sort of invested in saying, that that at least in conscious. making the case out loud to us that hey, please don't hurt me. I am real. I promise you, I'm conscious. And li- yet, it would just be doing computation. So it would make a convincing case that it's conscious, and it would develop a relationship. You know, a pos- uh, can it? You know, it, it would it would convince the people that it's developing a relationship and so at that point it's mimicking consciousness yeah uh to a degree that's indistinguishable right i think if we get to that point if we get to the point where we build a machine that mimics consciousness so well i think humanity would be too weak to to not treat it as a human right agreed and that would be very weird as you're like killing let's say or or uh, uh let's just say there's a new updated version and it's begging please don't like th- discard me or throw me oh, away no and way like, you're there's no way you're gonna get even a majority i don't even think you would get a majority of humans to say no you're just a machine and you're tricking me or right no it your computations are going haywire or whatever they would go even oh. in myself if it were yeah, it that complex it's like Look at how, like, like at the the off chance that I'm wrong and we have created consciousness, and if I can't justify why it's not consciousness, like I'm saying, yeah, if I stuck to my guns, like, no, it's just mimicking consciousness, and they said, okay, it's mimicking it, uh, does it, and then they offer up every definition, then why is it not still valuable enough to treat with the same? If we're gonna, mim- if it can mimic consciousness perfectly, then then we should mimic our treatment of let me, it. Let uh, me ask this <laughs> provocative question. How do you know that anyone else around you is conscious? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you, you, right? Well, like, I mean, you, you know, if I am hanging out with you and you know, I say, please don't kill me, I'm conscious. Like, I can interact with you in conversation. I can, 
have a podcast. I can tell you about my hopes and dreams and all, all the stuff that you normally can do with another human being in terms of communication. If the robot or this machine or AI or whatever could do it too, you know, what's the difference in the end, right? Like, and right. I mean, kind of we live in that situation where we just kind of take for granted that everyone else is also conscious, they're conscious, they're aware. And so, we and, or that there's a world outside of myself to all of that, right? Like, I can't step outside of myself to know, but right. I, yeah. but like, I but, only, I have a limited amount to just have to declare yes and proceed forward with like a set of values and, and, like, and, you, I have. and you, you analogize too, right? Like you see that you are a human being and you have two arms and two legs and you respond to pain in this way and you get hungry and whatever. And all the other people around you respond in the same way. And so you take how you feel and you assume that they you know, feel the same way. You can, you have some experiential understanding of your own consciousness. And so you assume that they also have consciousness and you don't even think about it really. It's just easy that way. But a robot they're different, right? We're aware that they're not the same as us. And we created them. We, you know, soldered the circuits and hooked up the the Ethernet cables <laughs> and the motherboards and everything. Gears. Some gears. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Undoubtedly, some gears. That was just my And so we, we know they're not the same. And that difference... I don't know, it would make us suspicious of their, you know, they can't feel pain in the same way we can. That's just a pressure sensor that we put in the fingertips to detect whatever. I don't know. Like it would just be, it would be it, difficult. It feels to like an attack me. on my humanity to, to suggest that they are just as human. But then if I can't justify the difference, if they're perfectly mimicking humanity, then, then regardless of whether like, yeah, it kind of becomes, okay. If it's creativity or not, like I have to acknowledge the, by every measurable standard, it's it's functioning as creativity, whether it's mimicking or not. And so, like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So, so then, why would I treat it any differently? Right. <laughs> so, like, and and that's a frustrating for me to say aloud because I want to just say no. The robot like is not deserving of this treatment. Like, all of a sudden, we design robots to do things. It's more like, well, can we start designing the future ones to be less so? So we need a <laughs> distinction. We, well, that's... we That way we can put them to work for too many hours and we can without it being a moral... Like, it's weird that we would owe well, so what... a robot some moral... Uh, uh, well, so putting, putting them... So that's another interesting thing, putting them to work for too many hours. That seems like a moral hazard, right? But if a robot is, you know, why why do we not want to put humans to work for too many hours? Well, because they have finite lifespans, and you know, it stresses them out. It could it could decrease the quality of their life and so on. But would a robot re- have the same response to working? Yeah, for it would so stress many hours? be. Uh, yeah. It would be design the robot in order to you know get tired. Uh, would would the robot's power supply running down be equivalent? Like there's some things that don't quite translate, right? And so that's why you would be tempted, the robot manufacturer who has robot slaves, um, who has robot <laughs> conscious robot workers, quote unquote conscious robot workers. You know, you might have the one who is tempted to say, okay, robots, your battery power is, you know, approaching 15% time to go home for the day. But then you would have the other that would say like, battery power isn't the same as stress and fatigue and everything in your robots. So you can just continue working and which one is right. Like we don't, 
And we don't we would be very suspicious of the internal mechanisms of the robots, the conscious mechanisms, not the physical ones. The conscious ones of like we we contain contradictions and paradoxes and and mutually exclusive beliefs sort of all contained in one and we try to reconcile that and we experience shame in uh, discrepancies between our beliefs and actions and all of that. And so does that translate? Obviously, yeah, a computer could still have contradictory like ideas programmed in it, right? And then, but does it de- does a computer demand uh, to resolve those even more than a human? Like a human can sit with the ambiguity. Can a computer compute ambiguity functionally the way we can? Yeah, uh, the way we can. That's the that's the hard part to answer because we don't know how we can. Because they have understand. to quantify at some point, right? And then move forward with a decision based on an algorithm that I is mean, in a computer, quantifiable. In has a, to. In a computer, yeah, it's probabilistic, right? Like yeah, you could have something that is not At least my understanding of it, yeah. It would be, you know, option A or belief A has probability 73% of likelihood and belief B has this. So you can have two beliefs that exist, but the computer... I mean, unless there's some amount of randomness to it, then you know, it seems like yeah, it would all be quantified. Like it's all there in the circuits in some way. Whereas, whereas our beliefs aren't, at least well, as far as we, we just know. don't know. We don't know. That's the problem. Like it might be quantified. Are all of our beliefs like? Is it just okay? There are X number of serotonins in this location and these neurons are firing at this rate over here yeah. so that means I we believe really are whatever. just complex machines at that point like if that's well, but, true yeah. right uh, yeah well but something is totally unknown and until it's known like i have you know i have kind of a um a negative reaction to that idea that we're just meatballs and i don't think that's true that you could even with the the, the the decisions or this the self-contained paradoxes i just don't think would can be resolved through like i mean certainly not at this point in science but i don't think we'll ever be uh able to uh, that means then we are predictable like right. we we well, theoretically are 100 percent, and it is deterministic and it is all set in stone like okay and then can you hold people responsible for crime like you know yeah well i definitely lots think of stuff. i definitely think that you're you're right and that you know, our understanding of the brain, you know, ourselves, of our own consciousness, that is far, far in the future. But, but the problem that we mentioned about making a robot that is indistinguishable in terms of creativity or consciousness or whatever from humans, that's not as far away, right? Mm-hmm. And that means that's a yeah. problem we're going to have to deal with. Yeah, a problem and a uh, a true gift. I mean, if you can start getting, I mean, online education can really take off if you can have professors, robot professors, give constructive feedback on essays and things like that. There's some quick utility, or or uh, get so creative at there. I use the term X. <laughs> that wasn't as, as a joke, but like they their problem solving capacity is so complex that it mimics creativity. Uh, gosh, like, I mean, we really are going to face a, a, a problem of employment, <laughs> like, pretty quickly. Yeah, I... Uh, like, like, what are we going to do Like, if, if most people can be replaced by robots and we can function that way? 
will we have a weird like people still need purpose and so we become the machines and then the so <laughs> most our, people are I, not I, as creative as as they yeah. they can't mimic the creativity that machines can well you know? people oh, people vary in creativity naturally yes. right some people yes. are more creative than others and so you know there could certainly could be a future in which some of our machines are more creative than the less creative humans that might already yes. be the case we have some pretty uncreative humans um well that's the problem but, is the, but, the rich get richer or the haves get have more <laughs> these all these all these machine things and technological advances were supposed to level the playing field but then when you the more tools you put out there the people who are capable use them wiser and better and more uniquely and more creatively yeah. and those who don't like so the the discrepancy is getting wider not not smaller well, so, so i mean there are two you know there are two futures that in sci-fi and everything people kind of predict there's the dystopia and the utopia right when machines take over in the utopia we just the machines do all the work for us and we get to just live you know happy free lives doing whatever the humans want to do while the machines you know, generate the food and maybe the entertainment and whatever we do wherever is hedonistic wherever our heart desires to take us which you can argue whether that's a utopia or not. And then there's the dystopia where, you know, if the if the machines, if the computers can do everything that we would normally do, well, that leaves us feeling without purpose and worthless, right? Like if if nothing I can do, if I can't do anything better than some machine can do, why would I do any of those things? <laughs> yeah. You know, like if, if I want to write a story and then my computer chimes in and says oh bennett how about this story and they go and they generate the story and it's way better than anything i could and it's new it's novel and creative it's a novel novel um <laughs> well that's going to be pretty disheartening right it is you work on painting or playing guitar or whatever it is and it just but so I but think, you know has, so, that exi- i mean people are better at painting or playing true, guitar yeah. or writing novels already and we still embark on it to try right so and i don't know and, and there's some ex- uh, like there's some experiential component to it as well like playing the guitar yeah i've played guitar for years a de- more than a decade now and i don't consider myself a musician really i'm not in a band like i'm not i don't even claim to have that great of skill at it but it is enjoyable to do it. Like, even though I'm not that good, it's enjoyable to sit down and try to play through a song. Um, and if a computer could do it better than me, well, I don't really care. Like, I still would like playing the guitar, I think. Can you imagine they start, you know, everything says these little stickers that say made in China. Oh, yeah. and people, there's a, there's some pride and made in USA kind of thing. And, and like, so GMOs, they yeah, start, yeah, or organic. Yeah. Or organic. So you start saying made by human, invented or created by humans. Wow. Like, this, I'm by, this by is human. A, this is a really good painting for a human. <laughs> for a human. I, I like that. That's funny. Yeah. You because know, it's like. You know, the healthy foods and stuff, they go bad quicker and they don't taste quite as good and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, we've kind of accepted if you want to eat healthy, you got to pay a little more and it's going to taste a little worse. Uh, And that will happen with human products. (laughs) I mean, it already happens when you buy like a hand whittled table or (laughs) chair or something like it's way more expensive and and it's a piece of art or or whatever. Well, think about... um, Uh, like diamonds you know gemstones there's the artificial there's synthetic gemstones and natural gemstones and the value is different between those absolutely even though they're chemically identical 
yeah that is fascinating like what do you do with that information like does this like it's kind of like okay progression we do we we move forward we're gonna have those as too viable when you want to go buy say diamonds or gemstones you 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 go do i want the more expensive quote-unquote real or or the one that can be produced in a, like a lab grown, I think is the term. It's so. like, you know, do you want a Picasso or a print of a Picasso? It's the same yes. art. It's visually, it's the same, but one is genuine and one is not. Ah, oh, man, is that right. a distinguishing factor? Like in the, in the AI world? That what, what humans just sort of uh, attribute value to. Right. Like if you like... go to the Chick-fil-A, the robot Chick-fil-A, or the human Chick-fil-A? Like, is there something quaint and enjoyable about getting your Chick-fil-A? <laughs> we hire humans only. And yeah, your meal's going to get messed up way more often, yeah. but it's going to be messed up by humans. It, you know, that one time when you get your Chick-fil-A sandwich with pickles on it, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, that's nice. Well. You know? <laughs> it's nice every now yeah, and then. I'm will- it's the price I'm willing to pay for human, you know, human, human error. Human touch. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> human error becomes a commodity. <laughs> Oh, look, mine got pickles on it when I didn't order it with pickles. <laughs> wow, my lawnmower wow. caught on fire. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's a leak in my roof. Woo-hoo! All right. <laughs> Topsy-turvy, upside-down land. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I wonder if we do gain a greater appreciation for flaws, but but then wouldn't the the the, the computer would mimic that pretty quickly, right? Yeah, they would, and they'd say, "Oh, humans like a little error." <laughs> they just build that into there, like, "Oh man!" So is it just it would Freaking just be another pendulum where where the humans try to distinguish themselves from the robots, and then the robots adapt, and then we distinguish again, and it's just continually back and forth, kind of like a. Uh, Kind of like hipsters, you know? Yes. Or in like a post. So, yeah, or in, in, in like the term race wars and things. It's just, but except we're battling robots, but then we reach harmony and then we just decide to not care because we're really not that different. And then we all live in harmony and you, you just kind of don't know if you're dating a robot or not. Uh, Weird. But who really needs to know the difference? Because what will knowing it do practically and it since it, it, it we're all mimicking humanity in our own way anyway hmm. like all, all our behavior is learned to some extent just like the robots and you can see these sort of uh uh civil rights discussions and, and oh, so another thing that just pops in my head like you know one concern that people have putting computers aside is population right people talk about overpopulation and so on and the environment deforestation and whatever if we have 12 billion people on the earth like is that too much the people get into debates about this kind of thing but with computers especially computer programs we could i mean you know how much space physical space does a computer program take up (laughs) less space than a human does you know and so could we have 40 billion conscious quote-unquote conscious beings on the earth 80 billion 120 like what limit is there to the number of ai beings that we could have and would i mean would humanity quickly become such an extreme minority such as not to matter wow yeah uh i mean it kind of it's kind of difficult for me to conceptualize even and then aren't they there to serve us and so then are we this elite just by being human you're like at the top of the Maybe uh, yeah. conscious food chain. Maybe <laughs> you know? right. 
Yeah, well, that's so we are, we're in we're like kings and queens in this world, and we have or we're or we're, we're servants and we're you know, yeah, one or the other. Again, we're not just in the middle. Yeah, right. Again, it's the, goes through the two sci-fi tracks, either utopia or dystopia. But like, imagine you know, if we went the utopia route, we were kings and queens or whatever. Like every for every person, there's you know, a, you have a million conscious AI things that are devoted to presenting you with the finest, you know novels tailored to your tastes and video games <laughs> created to titillate you and all of this sort of thing like i mean that seems that seems within the realm of believability right yeah sure i mean given this i mean you know and all of this is designed to sort of alleviate delayed gratification and promote instant gratification sure. and which well, but, is another like sort of core belief in well, it, that I have. But maybe not. I mean, maybe not. Well, I don't know. Just we can already have AI generated stories to an extent. You know, obviously they're not as good as human stories. And stories are special because they have some element of value to them. They're plot. You know, they're meant to tell you something, teach you something. They have a narrative. Anyway, that aside, I saw a thing where they made an AI generate Pokemon. You know, they, it analyzed all the images of all the Pokemon, and then it created some new Pokemon out of out yeah. of that. And they were were they good? Well, good is a stretch, but they were distinct. They looked like if you just took a quick glance at it, you would go, "Oh, a new Pokemon game came out." They weren't like blobs of nothing. They were weird. Like some of them had feet sticking out of their heads and whatever, because it just you know absorbed the images. But they looked like two D drawings of colorful creatures of some sort. You could imagine. You could imagine a better version, a 30 years in the future version of that that could generate Pokemon. You could you could imagine a 30 years in the future program that had the, the text writing capability and the Pokemon generating capability and you know music generating capability, all of it combined to generate a video game or something, right? Because right. An AI there are already procedural generation algorithms in video games to make terrain and racetracks and you know all that sort of thing. Can you imagine a game where you just click go and it makes a whole, the whole game everything like that's wild. To yeah, think. you're the first and only to play it, possibly. You know, right? And it, like, and I mean, I don't know. It just seems like you could get to a point where if if you can have programs that can generate things. To an indistinguishable level, well, now that just seems to change everything. I guess my only resistance is that I'm still not convinced. That's a big if. If you can make, if you can have a machine generate something that's indistinguishable, that's still a big if. Like maybe in one instance you could be fooled, but after you read a hundred AI-generated novels, you might go, "These feel kind of empty." You know, where's the meaning in this? That's what I want to know is if that conscious, that soul uh, is absent or if they're able to mimic it to the degree which we just wouldn't know. Like, you know, it feels flavorful and homey or, or real or I don't know. That's what I don't, I can't conceptualize. And I'm worried that I'm not like smart enough like I, how do you distinguish sincerity is almost the the thing it, can it be sincere and can a machine be sincere uh, yeah i wonder yeah. if you know casting again down into the future like we get to this point where there are ai generated stories and tv shows and and car- or maybe they're cartoons or maybe they're photorealistic cgi or whatever right. whatever they are 
Like, do we get to the point where we're so suspicious of them and that that we kind of, you know, we, we kind of favor more in-person interactions? I mean, I can, like this, that's is interesting. It the, is I, it the revival of the theater, you know, because we, you know, we can tell they're humans and. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. And in fact, I think we crave sincerity to such a degree that like all this polish and flashiness, like out of that, I mean, people literally watch people playing video games and, and long form podcasts are because it's sincere and a little messy and it doesn't have the polish of other things. So we, we crave sincerity, whatever that means. And so can a robot, like could, is creativity and since, is there any relationship with sincerity that like, mm. like these, these solutions have uh, sincerity. I'm not even sure what I mean, but I mean that like, would we start detecting and go, this something's a little off because it's a computation and computations are devoid of. Yeah. That's well, so I think maybe, maybe I'm on to what you're saying. So there's there simply making something new isn't good enough. Right. Like if you went to the grocery store and they had all their shopping carts and they were polka dotted, that's creative, right? That's new. But yeah is it worthwhile? Like, it's just not, there's nothing, there's no substance to it really, unless, you know, the polka dots meant something in some way, but let's just, they don't really. Um, <clears throat> that's something a computer could generate, right? They could go, the computer and it's calculating and it's uh, algorithm yeah. would go, all right, we need to alter the variable color on the shopping carts and it would do that. And voila, it's creative. And you might be reading a story, and the character goes into the grocery store and there's the polka dotted shopping carts and the you know that's creative so technically i mean it's something novel but it's not impressive to us because it doesn't matter <sighs> yeah but we talked about value being a component new and valuable right yep yeah one of the definitions uh, new and valuable you're right um but i mean value value what is value you know, sometimes yeah, pure know. novelty, pure novelty is valuable, right? Because it's it, it's titillating and something new to the senses, and you've never seen it before, right? And that's its only value. So I I don't know how you would make a computer distinguish that. Thankfully, I don't have to solve I, that problem. I guess just let me when I say that that whether it's YouTube people making unpolished videos, the reason people still gravitate toward that is my argument is sincerity, and what I mean by that is they just see. They see themselves in this person. Oh, I not only could I do that, I feel like I could be friends with them. And this person seems real, quote unquote. So the real and the sincere and all of this, um, I I don't know. I feel like it, it, it at least at this point, uh, computers are in, incapable of, of mimicking that. Mm. Uh, in the world we're discussing, they would be capable of mimicking that. I wonder so, how complex. I don't even know what that would look like. I wonder how complex that really is, because when we were talking about, you know, the computer begging for its life, saying, "Please don't deactivate me," you know, I have feelings too, and all yeah. that. Is that sincere? Like, would we be? We don't know, right? I guess we wouldn't be. We don't know if we would be able to. I tell. guess the answer is actually no. It's not. It's designed to try and self-advocate. So therefore, like. It's just following the computations, of, and it's the most effective argument. It's done the math. This is the most effective moment thing to say during this moment. So it is not sincere, but it would appear very sincere, and that's what's unnerving. Well, so that's the like, thing. Could that be replicated? Like if you had your 
you know, your computer generated YouTube channel or TV show or whatever, could they, could it, could it so easily mimic sincerity, the, the sincere cues that you're getting from the real human? Could it mimic those to the point where you couldn't tell? I don't know. I think in this, yeah, in this scenario, yes, in this, but like, I, I, I'm wondering if we'll ever be able to develop something so complex that it can mimic sincerity. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if it can come so close, but it's just that uh, uncanny valley moment where right. you're like, oh, I mean, sure, it stuttered a little bit, but like, that's not sincere, you know? It thinks it's computed that that is sincerity, but it just comes, it reads as bizarre. I wonder if there's a psychological uncanny valley that we just simply haven't discovered yet because we haven't made. We're not even close to the valley. Right. But yeah. like, you know, we make physical dolls and things that we react negatively to because they appear not human. And that's probably evolutionary, right? Like we, we, it, people uh, may have a sickness or something that makes them look different. And so we react to that asymmetry in facial features and whatever. But that is, that's the physical uncanny valley. And we've experienced and observed that. But what if there's a psychological uncanny valley that we experience when we interact yeah. with this artificial thing and it's fooling us for a while and then all of a sudden we get we get so the clue that wait a second this isn't a human and like I wonder if there's some extreme discomfort that pops up at that point that's different I imagine the answer is a resounding yes that's precisely what I'm talking about is that yeah you'd start to interact and then and then it would do something designed to promote its sincerity or creativity or whatever very deeply human characteristic that wouldn't land with us and say, Ooh, that you are, that is not, you are a robot. Do you remember, uh, (laughs) do you remember way back in the AOL instant messenger days when there were bots on? Yeah. And there was like, what was the chat? There's a main one too. I forgot about that. You just kind of unearthed that for me. I don't remember what it was I called. Don't I don't remember. But you could say hi. You and say it would hi. Respond. And, and you could ask what time it is. I mean, those were really, really basic. Really basic. You know? but you could, yeah, you could interact with it and maybe get a few exchanges before you started to go. This is weird. Um, I mean, the question is like Siri, Alexa, Google, all these things are like they they want to come across as human, but they're not trying to be too human because they know it might be weird for us. But like, so that you know, it's meeting some happy medium about being servant oriented and kind but what does that mean you know uh, pleasant versus interactive in a deep way and you know this is making me think of her yeah, uh, right, the, the movie. movie her and all of that too like i just imagine that it would get into uncanny valley territory uh, and i think that'd be a very neat idea to explore when you're there like the uncanny psychology uncanny valley of psychology yeah. with ai Interesting, interesting thoughts. Yep. <laughs> thoughts, thoughts are interesting sometimes. Yeah, they are. <laughs> well, thanks. And I like that you're taking a cognitive science class too. I imagine it's a. I mean, that is. Yeah. Like psychology, is it not? Yeah. Or is, well, are you actually, looking when at I, it in terms of coding? well, when I started the class, I was, uh, I was surprised and pleased that they define cognitive science as the intersection between it's like seven different fields, including psychology, AI, philosophy, linguistics, education. I don't remember them all. There are a couple others that, I, that I've forgotten. But all things that I'm interested in, right? All of these areas are things that I'm interested yeah. in. And all of them are things that we've talked about to some extent or another. Um, 
which is really cool. Unfortunately, well, the course, uh, I'm only about a third of the way through it, but uh, you would have... Like, is the textbook for it great, or there's no what? one... Well, I just have a lot okay. of minor qualms with the way the course is being run so far, and the assignments and group work and just trivial crap. The, the subject matter, the ideas are really great. I really like them, but the way that it's been implemented thus far has taken a lot of the wind out of my sails. It's kind of a downer. Um, you would have a lot of thoughts on the educational aspect of it, I'm sure, but uh, I can't say I... I imagine, too, you, you pose provocative thoughts to like an online course where people might be calling it in. I mean, I don't mean to suggest that everyone is, but so this really cool prompt and article is posted and then just being very disappointed with the the ideas well, that... I mean, evolve from that. Yeah, it's also a shotgun of information, right? Like the field is broad and there are tons of ideas and time is a limited resource that we have. And so someone may post an interesting question like, is there free will? And that's an interesting question to me. I like to think about that question. Yeah. But do I want to think about that question and write a lot on this online forum that's going to go away really quickly? And I'm not you know, for no benefit other than my own thoughts. Not really. I would rather just think about it on my own and talk about it on a podcast. Right. So. Which is the same thing everyone's thinking. So then you end up just kind of having yeah, the, uh, you know, the comment discussion level debates or something. To be fair, this is the first time they've done this course online. Uh, so this, they've limited the class size. There are only like 85 students in the class. Um and it's never been done online. So there's probably some growing pains uh, and it'll probably be better in future years. But right now, I'm not wild about it. I don't hate it, but I also don't love it. So, meh, meh. Well, we'll see how, we'll do a check-in on that the next podcast and see how it's going. Yeah, yeah I'm doing a, uh, yeah. I have to do a group project um, and we chose emoji. So we're, investigating we, we haven't nailed it down yet but like from a linguistic perspective of how to emojis yeah, from a linguistic perspective like um the the, the thought th this was one of my ideas and what made it what interested me about it was that you know english is an alphabetic language we have 26 characters and all of our communication comes through in the combinations of those characters but then you take something like chinese which is lo what they call logographic it's not an alphabet. They're all little pictures, right? And there are thousands of these little pictures. And emoji are yeah. closer to Chinese than they are to English. And yet we are now introducing all of these little pictures into our conversation. In fact, I counted the ones on my phone, and I think there were 50, over almost 1,600 different emoji available, right? That's huge. Wow. So now, like, that's a huge expansion of our communication ability and what does that do to people like does it is it more efficient like are we going to get to a point where we're talking in mostly emoji because we can only send one or two of them and communicate a whole sentence or is the is the specificity of the alphabet and the english language better because we can hone in on ideas there's a lot of questions that just we have we haven't narrowed down exactly what we're testing but um one, one experiment that I proposed that I think is really interesting, I'm not sure if we're going to carry it out, is you know, I wrote like a little one-paragraph story, and I just wrote it in words, and um, 
Then I wrote another little one paragraph story. It follows a very similar form, but I replaced some of the keywords with emoji here and there. And then I wrote another story and it's all emoji. There are no words in it. Um, and then <laughs> after each one, I have some comprehension check questions that are, you know, that ask you, you know, how many people are in the story? How old is the protagonist? Blah, 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 whatever. Little comprehension check questions that you should definitely answer and be able to answer if you understood the story. And then, you know, you time them, you time how long it takes to read the story. And maybe you can gather that there's some happy medium where a few emoji actually make it quicker. They speed up comprehension. Whereas maybe the super emoji one, it takes a little bit longer to parse, but I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, that was the thought. Yeah. And, and the assumption under this is that efficiency is the key goal versus say enjoyability or a warmth or like, like how they feel, you know, yeah, I'd just say that's an interesting metric that would be difficult to quantify, but like, which one did they prefer to read? Even if one was more efficient, one they walked away feeling they had a little more flavor. It's hard to measure though, like right? Because if you try to read, if I sent you the emoji only story, it's difficult. Well, that's a pretty clear, yeah, it's going to be the worst on all the, on, on the three metric or of the three. Maybe, yeah, well, but, right? but is like, it, is it I mean, difficult maybe, because but... it's unfamiliar or is it difficult because, you know, it's truly less efficient, you know, like I'm not used to reading emoji only stories, but if I was, and if I learned the language, quote unquote language of emoji, would it be faster? I don't know. Yeah, that's, and that'll never, like, it'd be like, hand me another keyboard that is technically you can type faster because, you know, the QWERTY right, right. keyboard was designed to be slowest down. So, the, but if you were to test me on it, I'd be much slower on the better keyboard. So I, that's a problem you would run into with testing. It's true. Uh, and age of yeah, the testers all kinds and all of that compounding too. things. Familiarity. So, with and, it, so. you know, in this course, we have limited time, limited manpower. So our experiment is going to be uh, pretty lame, I think. I mean, well, whatever. It's fine for what we're doing. But if you were really going to dig down into the idea, it would take a lot more work. So. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's a neat idea. I'll, uh, I'll, if we remember next time, I'll, I'll fill you in on how it's going um, and if we discovered anything interesting cool so, that was fun bye that was fun <laughs> okay bye bye again final bye <laughs>